0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, November 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's a big college football weekend for Missouri and Kansas State. The Tigers take on Arkansas, and oh, the coaching connections. Mizzou's Eli Drinkwitz is from Arkansas. Razorbacks defensive coordinator, Barry Odom, well, you know about him. Mizzou's head coach the previous four years, former Tigers linebacker, great stuff. Beat writer Soichi Tarada joins us to talk about the game called the Battle Line Rivalry, and we get in some hoops talk after the Tigers' impressive victory over Oregon this week. After a break, we catch up on Kansas State with Kellis Robinette. The Wildcats play host to Texas on Saturday. It's K-State's regular season finale, and the Wildcats look to improve to 5-5, five five, but win or lose, Kansas State wants to play in a bowl game, and we talk about those prospects. Plus, we peek into the catch roster for next season. So let's get started talking college sports, starting with Suichi Torada and Mizzou. Suichi, so, I was so excited to talk to you about this weekend's Mizzou Arkansas football game. I sent you the invitation five minutes early. So I think that's a that's a record for me. I really am stoked about this game. Uh, so many storylines. Um, not the least of which is the you know the, the coaching uh, situation, but but and we'll get to that in a second. But I'm I'm kind of more interested in the game itself. These are two good teams playing uh, against each other. Teams that have had success this season um, that uh, that did not have you know that were you know woeful in, in previous years. So much so that they changed coaches. Now Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou and Sam Pittman at Arkansas have had really nice seasons comparatively speaking, you know, to the previous year. So um, what, what kind of game do you think we're going to see from Missouri, Arkansas on Saturday?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I really think it's going to be kind of something like the Mizzou, Kentucky game that we saw, not necessarily maybe from Arkansas's offense versus Mizzou's defense, but the way that Hogs defense plays, Barry Odom's defense. Now that the way they play is kind of reminiscent of Kentucky a little bit. And, maybe they're disguising some coverages. They're going to try to force turnovers. You know, they lead to the sec and in interceptions. So it, it's really going to come down to how Eli drink was his offense, you know, and, and Blair, I think that's kind of picture perfect, right? We talk about all these storylines and, and whether that be the coaching staff or the players or, or the game, and, and you got all of this, but it'll probably come down to kind of the, the specialties of, of the two coaches that we really have kind of the magnifying glass on. So I think that's really cool. I, I think you know it's it's gonna be kind of there's, there's been kind of some sparks throughout the throughout the week and whether that be Nick Bolton tweeting see y'all Saturday after after his flow, and <laughs> yeah uh, kind of all these fun little wrinkles I think besides just the coaching staff and, and that's kind of the way I think Drinkwitz and Mizzou are kind of selling it um, you know during Drinkwitz's. However many media appearances, whether it be on the SEC health conference call or his radio show or his news conference, he he's kind of said it's a player's game, and, and he's kind of deflected pretty much everything or, or most of the attention away from the coaching staffs. And uh, I I really think that's kind of indicative of uh, what what they're kind of selling their players, and I think the players are kind of embracing that as well. And so um, yeah, it it should be a lot of fun. It's it's kind of a kind of a hectic time in Missoula, but it's uh it's 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 fun to say the least.
0: This game originally was going to be played at Arrowhead Stadium, right? Um, the the Friday after Thanksgiving. That's when Arkansas and Missouri have played in the in previous years. They were going to move it to to Kansas City, and it would have been wonderful to have that game here in town. But uh, either way, it, it's 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 great that um, uh, that it's a it appears to be a competitive game. Missouri has won four straight over Arkansas in the series, and. And um I, I don't think that the 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 rivalry itself has captured the imagination of fans the way it was envisioned that it could, uh, but maybe now we'll see a uh, a change in that idea that that uh, the the if there's especially if there's some uh, you know uh, some some back and forth between the players like like you like you mentioned between Bolton and and um, and Arkansas. I guess the Arkansas was promoting its linebackers and and Bolton said, hey, you know, uh, come on, let's go, uh, let's uh, you know let's see what uh, Saturday's all about. So, well, we and you can't talk about this game without the coaches, right? I mean, there's just so much connection here with Drinkwitz from Arkansas, Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator. At uh, for the Razorbacks now, what what has Odom done to uh, to uh, contribute to the the Arkansas success? And listen, when I say success, they're three and five, right? They uh, Missouri's got a winning record. Arkansas is does not, but Arkansas certainly is playing better football than it has in, in recent years. So, what to to what extent is is Barry Odom responsible for that?
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right, Blair? Because I remember way back in week two of the SEC season, you know. Arkansas upsets Mississippi State, who had just beat an LSU. And so the Bulldogs were ranked. Mizzou was 0-2. They had just been, you know, blown out by Tennessee. And it really seemed like that was pretty much it. And I think, you know, the reason I bring that up was just because everyone pretty much, you know, everyone who knew what they were talking about was praising Barry Odom just because of what he's been able to do with that Arkansas defense. And I think the talent, not, not maybe the gap, but the talent on the squad was, was kind of decimated after the past two seasons, um, you know, you go winless in SEC play. That's that's gonna happen. I mean, they got a few transfers and everything, but it, it really was kind of incredible, or, or maybe kind of shocking to see Mizzou look just completely different, or excuse me, Arkansas look completely different on on defense on their Odom, and and I, I think that's kind of the biggest thing, just because you know going into the season, you know, and doing my research, the Hogs defense was, was kind of you know there, there wasn't very high expectations or really much expectations at all in the sense that. Let's just, you know, the, the the kind of prevailing attitude maybe was let's just see how it is and, and go from there. But I think it's, it's it's definitely the strength of the squad. And I wrote about this in my article. You know, it, it really comes down to the turnover margin for Arkansas, and that has to do with its defense um, um, and, and getting those turnovers. You know, the Hogs are 3-0 when, when they win a the turnover margin, 0-5 otherwise. So that's kind of the one area I think Mizzou fans should be looking at. You know, the Hogs are going to do their absolute best to obviously, you know, pick off Baselak as much as they can or course, fumbles, which has kind of been an issue for Mizzou, though not recently. So he got all of these things. I think Odom's defense is going to want to try to do against you know his old team, and, and that that makes for for a great matchup.
0: That uh, that story that you you mentioned it will be linked in the show notes, and of course it's on KansasCity.com. dot com. So uh, Basilek, look, he's he's uh, as, as a quarterback is every week. He's a key player here, but but really something to keep an eye on is Basilek against the Barry Odom defense that has. As you said, proven to be really, uh, you know, opportunistic this year. What's what's been Basileac's success rate against good defenses? I know it's kind of a general question, but um, it, it, does he continue to have growing pains at times? Uh, is this something that he can? Um, is, is there an opportunity here for him to to have a good game?
1: Yeah, you know it's crazy, Blair and Drinkwist mentions this a lot, but it's it's this is really only you know I mean this is Basileac's what sixth start. Yeah. Um, yeah, ever you know since he's since he's got you know as a collegiate athlete and and he's still learning the quarterback position I mean it's kind of getting pounding in, pounded into the ground that he played in the wishbone you know run first offense and everything but I, I think there's a lot kind of a lot of truth to that as well in the sense that Bazelak is still learning and and the thing is too I, I really don't think the the biggest praise I guess I can give Basilak is I don't think he's necessarily the reason Mizzou has lost games and obviously with quarterback that's kind of a big thing, right? Just because you impact the game more, more than any other positions. And I think obviously there are going to be growing pains. I think part of that has been due to maybe the offensive line being injured. And I'm talking mostly about the Florida and South Carolina games where Mizzou kind of uncharacteristically look kind of, you know, they kind of put Basilek in kind of maybe some weird positions or he was kind of, you know, he was pressured a little bit more than than they probably wanted him to. So I think that's kind of a part of it. And and I think, You know, Bazelak has done well in the sense that, you know, like I mentioned in the Kentucky game, he he just took what the defense gave him and that gave Mizzou an opportunity to win. And obviously, you know, he's not going to light it up for 400 plus yards like he did against LSU for four touchdowns and look, you know, like a Heisman candidate. I don't think that's realistic out of your, you know, redshirt freshman quarterback who is going to be essentially a redshirt freshman next year. So I think... All things considered, though, I mean, considering the fact that he still has four years of eligibility go- remaining after this year, just because of the blanket waiver eligibility the NCAA gave, it, it's the future is looking right there. And I think um, and it, it seems like, you know, it's kind of a weird thing just because obviously when Bazelak was recruited to Mizzou, he wasn't necessarily, you know, he wasn't necessarily sold on Eli Drinkwitz's vision or, or offensive philosophy or ideas. But it, it seems like that you know connection has worked and uh, Mizzou fans should be excited for that going
0: forward. Absolutely. Okay, it's 11 a.m. kick at uh, at Furrow Field on the SEC network, not the alternative, the SEC network. So, um, hey, we, we cannot have a conversation about Mizzou without talking about uh, the hoops. And what an impressive performance on Wednesday night in Omaha uh, for Missouri basketball against Dana Altman's Oregon Ducks. They got off to the Missouri got off to a fantastic start. Uh, Oregon chipped away. It's a talented Oregon team that we ranked, you know, they came into the into the game ranked. Uh, It was Oregon's first game, but uh, but Oregon chipped away. And when that happened, I just thought, oh, no, here we go. Missouri goes over 15 from the field and Oregon's going to find a way to get it done. And then Missouri went to a ne- to another level. They they found a different gear. Let me find some more clichés I can I can pull out here. Um uh, and and ended up winning the game rather comfortably. You had to be impressed with Missouri's uh, outing against uh, Oregon. Oh, absolutely. Blair, well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Oh no,
1: here we go again. I had have- um, my fair share of my Mizzou friends text me, hey, here we <laughs> go again. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And, and and I think bottom line, you know, I don't think Mizzou wins that game last year. And and I wrote about it just because Xavier Pinson kind of had the same thinking I did. But remember that road game at Xavier last year early in the season? I believe it yes. in the third game. I mean, that went into overtime. You know, it was kind of a similar-ish game in the sense that Mizzou – had to come back and they forced it into overtime it was against rank Xavier and it was on the road and I, I know it's not the same in Omaha and empty stadium but you know the, the thing that kind of stuck out to me was that when Mizzou really needed a bucket or, or needed a spark or you know when, when they missed 15 straight shots spanning halves and everything the guys who stepped up were juniors in the sense that Xavier Pinson and Javon Pickett both of those guys I believe the sad in the story I used with 30 of Mizzou's 41 points came from those two guys and the reason I say they don't win that game last year, Blair, is is the sense that you know these guys are juniors now. You know they're upperclassmen. They they've been through this you know one you know two two times now, and and obviously Pinson had a great finish last year, but consistency was this big thing and big issue. And he's shown at least through two games this season. You know I know it's only two games, but he's shown that he's kind of been able to build off of that. And he he took this offseason seriously, and and I think that's just kind of the biggest thing because you have so many seniors, you have so many upperclassmen now, including a Pinson and a Pickett. And I, I really just don't think they had that little extra gear, you know, that, that you kind of, you know, the cliche that you have mentioned um, last year and, you know, just, yes, they were kind of oldish, but I, I've been saying this Blair and I, and I keep pounding it. I really do think there's something to it. You know, when, when your best year is, is your senior year or, or you know, you really have, you know, kind of this different mindset or play style as a junior. So I, I, I you know, one, really impressive win, and two, I think they kind of recess expectations. Uh, the next three games should be really interesting. You get uh, Wichita State on the road, Liberty, and, uh, you know, bragging rights against, you know, a top five, current top five Illinois team, and I think that's that, that sets up very well to just kind of see who this team is and what they can do this year.
0: Hey, and and don't go to sleep on Liberty. I saw them at T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. They were in the tournament last weekend and they, um, uh, they 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 wallop South Carolina in their first game, and and played TCU uh, really tough in, in falling in the title game. So Liberty's not a pushover by any means. Liberty's a good good program, but uh, or a good team this year. And it's a good point about the, about the upperclassmen. I, I think uh, resetting expectations is fair for Mizzou, and now. I, I, the way I look at it is, you better cash in when you're as experienced as Missouri is. If they, if they don't take advantage of all the experience on this team, then then I think Conzo Martin has to be reevaluated. But it, it looks like they're off to a great start in, in in doing just that. So you're right about these next three games at Wichita State, Liberty, and then Illinois. Man, that's uh, that's great. And then and then is it is it SEC play right after that, or are there other non-conference games? A few other non-conference games. I actually believe I they I believe added one more,
1: um, and and so SEC conference play starts. uh it, it's kind of crazy, but it starts this month technically against uh, Tennessee on on December thirtieth. So we're only a few weeks away, you know, from conference play, and then who knows what'll happen? Uh, obviously, a weird year, but that you know, like your football's early signing period, you know that that has stunk up on us.
0: Yep, for sure. All right, Soichi, great catching up with you, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, thanks, man.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns And as always, thanks for listening. And now we have Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State. Kellis, let me ask you, how's the homeschooling going? We haven't talked about that in a while.
2: Oh, it's been harder uh, than ever the last couple weeks, actually, um, with uh, the rising COVID spikes. Um, We've had... uh, yeah, some school, some school days canceled and um some daycares canceled. So, um I've gone from having two kids most days to four kids a lot of days. It's uh it's not the easiest of tasks, but ne- next week we're hoping we're going to be back down to just the two. So, fingers crossed.
0: A home full of robinets throughout the day. That's <laughs> uh, uh uh good luck with with that and um and, and, I you know, wish I could
2: say I was teaching them all to be like future Einsteins or something, but it's uh, sadly <laughs> more than let's get through each day without uh, you know eating food and surviving. Right. <laughs>
0: That's right, survive in advance exactly. All right, I noticed through the interoffice mail that you have just delivered a Kansas State question and answer for publication, so it'll be up here probably about the same time the podcast is posted, if not before. What was Give me a, give me a sample of of the Q and A. What was uh, what was the most intriguing question that you got?
2: Um, everybody wants to know which which Kansas State football seniors might be coming back next year. In particular, Skylar Thompson. Um, we do, I I don't know the answers to any of those just yet, but I do think that uh, the, the way Chris Kleinman and some of the players have talked lately, I think. Um, at least a few of these seniors who otherwise would be going off to do other things in their lives will, will be back next season. And uh, it is a very interesting question that Skyler will have to face here at the end, because it's not like Will Howard has torn it up and Jake Rubley who a lot of people think is, might be the, the quarterback for the future. He hasn't really played a whole lot of high school football this year because of the, the COVID situation in, in his state. So um yeah, I mean Kansas State would probably welcome him. Welcome him back at this point. He's probably their best option at quarterback next season, and he's probably seen that and maybe thinking more seriously than ever about coming back. That'll be an interesting decision uh, whenever he comes around to making it.
0: And it's a decision that um, that will never that has has never been um, you know it's never happened in college sports, and yeah. and not not likely to ever happen again. It's just a you know just a, a one time you know free eligibility season for for football players who want it so it's so unusual and and programs are going to have to negotiate their you know roster sizes and depth charts and just figure out how to how to go forward and it might flood the the transfer portal as well don't you think
2: yeah, it uh, it might. I mean the transfer portal is already flooded, which I think uh is one reason why both Chris Kleiman and uh, defensive coordinator Joe Klanderman came out this week and more or less said they would be willing to welcome back with uh open arms any senior that wants to come back just because there is so much uncertainty out there right now. And even if they could go out and bring in a, a stud, you know, a three or four star player to help as a freshman next year, um that that player can't replicate the knowledge. Um, and uh, experience that a senior who's been around this program and has been in this program before COVID times when they could practice and everything is uh, a little bit more valuable right now because they can teach uh, what the program's all about to incoming players. and You you know a little bit more about them. And I wonder if it's going to be like that at a, at a lot of places. Um, you know, what, what do you devalue or what, what do you value more, young talent or, um, you know, old talent? Uh, it's a decision nobody's ever faced before, and yeah, I think I think we'll see, uh, I think we'll see a lot of transfers. I think we'll see a lot of grad transfers, and um, you know, people compare this kind of stuff to the Wild West all the time, but uh, this might actually be a, pl- a time when it actually that comparison actually fits, just because I, I think there will be a lot of unprecedented movement here in the next couple of months.
0: You know, something I just thought of as you were as you were talking was there. It, it's not a, it, absolutely not the same thing. Um, but there was a something of a precedent. After World War II, um, you know, a lot of, you know, the soldiers came back and, uh, and because of the GI Bill enrolled in colleges and a lot of college football players came back. And as, you know, 22, 23, 24-year-olds uh, were, were coming back to college and all of a sudden football rosters were up, you know, 100 and, you know 150 to 200 players. Um, and and, and it took years for that to sort out and, and to uh, – uh, and, to, and to level out again, I, I don't think this is something that'll take years, but it's going to take some time. Um, when you when you have an incoming class of recruits on top of uh, you know whatever percentage of players who would normally be leaving a program come back, you've got you know, you've got some log jams now. And uh, and as you said, decisions to be made by programs, by coaches, by by the athletes and their families as well. Hey, I wanted to. Uh, Talk about another story that you wrote this week, and I, I thought it was really interesting about uh, what Chris Kleiman said about postseason football, and even with the prospect of Kansas State finishing under five hundred, uh, he, he sees great value in, in you know, having practice in December and getting ready for a bowl game. How about expanding on that idea for us? For yeah,
2: us? it's pretty much the old Bill Snyder model, right? Um, I mean, he nobody loved bowl practices more than that guy. Um, yeah, I mean a, to his credit he built a lot of the success that he had in Manhattan on those where um, at the beginning of every bull practice uh, session, instead of you know giving all the starters the reps, he'd go out and let the, the young players uh, get a chance to show what they they could do and it helped them develop and it helped coaches evaluate where they needed to attack the recruiting trail moving forward and um, Chris Kleinman pretty much feels the exact same way. And this year more than others, especially just, I think he, I think he feels cheated. I think a lot of the team feels cheated that they didn't get as many practices in as usual. Um, they didn't get spring practice and then they've had close to 80 players, uh, have COVID this season. So those guys have all had to sit out. Basically he's, uh, he even said that regardless of whether they get to a bowl or not, they're practicing next week. Um, just, you know, mm-hmm. just in case, because he wants them to practice. So they're going to take advantage of uh, of that any way they can, and, and I get that totally from a coaching perspective. If somebody's going to give a coach the option, hey, do you want to practice? Or do you not want to practice? Uh, the the obvious answer is to say, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Um, but it, it is an interesting situation from you know the fans' perspective too. I, I can certainly see why somebody sitting at home who's uh, not going to be able to build a vacation around a bowl game doesn't really want to see. Kansas State team with a 500 or a losing record playing, you know, a similar team from the American Conference or the Pac-12 or something. I can definitely see why there might not be a whole lot of excitement for that game. But just strictly from the players and the coaches involved, I, I think it definitely is the right move. There's uh, there's no there's no reason for them to turn out the
0: Right, right. Um, there are as of we are recording this on Friday um, before noon, and as of now, there are ten fewer bowl games than. Uh, than, than were scheduled entering the the season, so uh, fewer opportunities for 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 programs. And one of those that I think is has changed. It's, the the Armed Forces Bowl is still on the schedule, but they've changed the conference affiliation. It's not a uh, it, that was a Big Twelve Bowl, but I think I saw where it's now an SEC Pac twelve matchup uh, this year. Now, look, I, I think you talk about wild wild West. I think the bowl lineup's going to end up being a lot of that it's whoever bowl officials want in their games and and working with the the conferences and the schools to get the matchups that they want for tv especially with um you know with no fans i saw where the fiesta bowl just announced that they're not going to have fans at their games this year so it's not going to be a you know how many tickets can you sell determination i don't think i I don't think that would be part of it but uh um but who knows i mean who knows what bowls? Have you talked to any of the bowl folks? Um, you don't see any at, at games, do you, bowl scouts? No, they haven't made the trips out this season. That's one thing I have not done yet, unfortunately.
2: Um, maybe next week, uh, depending on what happens here against Texas, I'll make some of those calls. But, yeah, it's it's a great unknown. We, we're not even totally sure if the bowl games are going to happen. Um, like you said, the Fiesta and I believe the Rose Bowl also said they're not going to have fans this season. So that'll be very different. Um, I, I think from, from what uh, Kansas State people have told me is that the, the expectation is that at least the the bowls that have tie-ins with the Big Twelve they, they wanna they wanna play they wanna move forward you know maybe maybe the trip out there won't be a week maybe it'll only be a day or two maybe the payout won't be as much because there won't be fans but uh, basically the teams want to play the bowl games want to host teams. So as long as that's there, um, I think we will have games, but it'll just be so different because, like you said, there won't be there won't be fans. Their bowls won't be looking to invite, uh, invite programs based on uh, programs that travel a lot. And I'll tell you, a team, uh, you brought this up earlier, a team I feel sorry for right now is like Iowa State. They're looking at a chance to go to maybe like the Fiesta Bowl, one of the best bowls they've ever been to, and their fans won't even be able to go. Um, I mean, yeah. think about that. The first time, first time a program breaks through and has this great opportunity, uh, to go to a place like that and they're left out. It's, uh, man, it's just another thing. COVID has taken away from us, I guess.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to write about that this weekend. If, if Iowa state clinches the, uh, the, a spot in the big 12 championship game, which they can do by beating West Virginia on, on, uh, Saturday afternoon, they will, um, you know, they'll play in their first big 12 title game. and. You know, fans. I, I don't know how many tickets are going to be available for that game, but you know, I was talking to Iowa State officials earlier this week, and they're like Kansas. They travel like Kansas State fans. You know, they'll they'll they would sell out their allotment and then ask for anything additional, and right. then their fans would they would their fans would find ways to get in that stadium. They're they're just amazing, and uh, and you're right. This how, you know, in this uh, of all years to, to, to have fan restrictions or to, to have, you know, just no fans at all. It's, it has to be this year for, for Iowa state. So, okay. It's right. K state, it, it, Texas. It's gotta be like, it would kind of be
2: like Kansas state going to that first copper bowl in 90. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, that Go. was
0: incredible. Yeah. That, that, that copper bowl, people still talk about that from Kansas state. how, you know just how meaningful that was. You know, the, what twenty to twenty five thousand fans ended up going to that game, and I remember the, the following couple of years, the Cotton Bowl game, and and then they played um, uh, a Holiday, something like that. The next couple of them, they just took you know it, like you know all of Riley County and, and every can and every Kansas State fan in the country were showed up at those games. Those were those were revivals for for that program. And look, I, I think it's true of this part of the country and, um, you know, Kansas State fans, Iowa State fans, Nebraska fans, I, I, they just, they just travel. They, they do. That's, it's their vacation money. It's their leisure money. It's, it's, it's what they do. And what a, what a tough time not to be able to do it. And you mentioned the Rose Bowl, California now has some of the, you know, the, the, the strongest restrictions of, of gathering of any place in the country right now. So, I can't imagine any bowl game in California being open to fans and what the 49ers are already pulling out of uh, of uh, their state and playing their home games at Arizona. Now it's it's just different. So, again, uh, Texas uh, K-State, 11 a.m. on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. It's on Fox and hey, Kevs, before we uh, before we wrap it up, let, let's just talk a little bit about hoops. The Wildcats picked up their first victory of the season this week, beating the Casey Ruse uh, <laughs> by four. And um, you know, it, 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 it nice to get a W on the board for Kansas State, but uh, probably maybe not the the decisive victory as it turns out. A four point win that uh, maybe Bruce Weber was hoping for. What uh, what can we conclude from K, from K State hoops right now? Um. You know, I, I think that was a a
2: step in the right direction for them. even though they only won by four that they did score the first 17 points of the game. So I just kind of wonder if at that point they kind of just turned the intensity switch off and said, we got this. And that was to me anyway, that was more to, that was the reason they only won by four. It wasn't like they just came out and played poorly. Um, I think UNLV next will be a good matchup for them. Uh, I, I, I think Colorado was uh, above their weight class. I think UMKC is below their weight class. UNLV is kind of right there with them. So it, it'll be a nice barometer to see where, where they're coming along. I've seen improvement every game, um, and I really like what I've seen from Nigel Pack at point guard. He's probably the best shooter they've, they've had under Bruce Weber, which is a, a very refreshing uh, thing because they have not shot well from the outside lately. Um, it, it just for them is how much can they improve how much better can they get as the season goes on? Um, and you know, games right now are important for them because we've seen what uh, some Big Twelve teams have done already. Kansas has been right. Baylor looks really good. West Virginia took Gonzaga to the wire. Uh, I don't think there are going to be many free wins in Big Twelve play. So if Kansas State wants to uh, wants to get some wins, now's the time to do it.
0: Yeah. I'll add to that. Texas beating North Carolina at, at right. Asheville right. and Oklahoma, Oklahoma state went up and beat Marquette. And there have been some pretty impressive Baylor over Illinois have some impressive results so far for the big 12. So yeah, K state, uh, UNLV on Saturday, seven o'clock, and then they play Milwaukee next week. The Butler game got postponed. And, but so after Milwaukee, it's uh, kind of clear sailing until big 12 play starts at Iowa state the following week. Um, Okay, Kellis-Robinette, great catching up with you, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Soichi Tirada and Kellis-Robinette for stopping by and talking Mizzou and Kansas State. Their stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those that want a deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product, sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and we'll get you to the right place. So whether... It's the Sports Pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday breaking down the Chiefs-Broncos game on Sunday Night Football.